Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest this week, one of the finest comedians in the country. You wouldn't know it to talk to him. (laughs) Josh Willicombe. Oh my gosh, a lovely, lovely man. Modest to a fault. You wouldn't know that... You know, he'd, he'd chalked up a raft of TV credits across some of the biggest comedy shows on television. He's, he's, he's one third of the, the Last Leg team, which has become one of... Cha- I'm more positive about Josh's career than Josh Widdicombe. That I, I can say that uh, without fear of reprisal. Uh, he's part of the Last Leg team, one of Channel 4's marquee shows. Uh, sell out UK tours. I love everything about this guy. Both feet firmly on the terracotta. We all know people in life who are a bit cocky, a bit full of themselves. They get a couple of things under their belt. They think they've got the world by the tail. And then you meet Josh Widdicombe. <laughs> you would assume that things are going quite badly uh, once you get the measure of the guy. But uh, no, it, and that, that's to his eternal credit. Josh Widdicombe has announced a UK tour. If you don't have a ticket, for the love of God, get one. Just one of the greatest... Stand-up comedians working today. I feel like we're we're lucky. We're, I'm getting I'm getting carried away here. As a comedy fan, I feel lucky that I am alive at a time when Josh is doing stand-up. I've I've gigged with Josh dozens and dozens of times. I've seen him live many, many, many times. He is wonderful. One of the very best. Uh, visit uh, Josh's website to buy tickets. Just Google Josh. Josh Widdicombe tour. Wonderful, Josh Widdicombe. Uh, before we have a, a chat with Super Josh, there is our good news section. Our good news story this week comes courtesy of Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I say that as if Leo had dropped me a text with a good news story. Uh, that's not true, but he did share one on Instagram. Uh, and the story that uh, Mr. DiCaprio, who can be seen in cinemas uh, this coming week, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um... The story that he shared comes from Ethiopia because 350 million trees were planted in a single day in Ethiopia with uh, a view to plant 4 billion trees in Ethiopia this summer. In Ethiopia, they're hoping that every citizen plants at least 40 seedlings. The previous world record, so Ethiopia have broken the world record with 350 million trees in a day. The previous world record held by India... Uh, since 2016 with 50 million. That is remarkable. Uh, and this is all done with a view to combat climate change. That's a, what a wonderful good news story. So, Leo, if you are listening, and I'm just going to take it as a, a given that you are, uh, thank you for the good news story. And from uh, Leonardo DiCaprio to Josh Widdicombe in one foul swoop. Yes, here he is. Lovely Josh. Um, I'm here today with uh, Josh Widdicombe. Uh, I've I've put this in writing before, one of the, the finest stand-up comedians working today and it's an absolute joy to see josh perform comedy the highest compliment i can pay josh widdicombe is that my mum and dad saw josh at a night that i run called always be comedy I, i've never mentioned that comedy night i don't think in 20 plus episodes this is the first you're not no first plug i've ever given it i imagine like a regular listener going you mentioned it for the first six <laughs> mum and dad saw him at this night and I, I, more or less this that same night when they got home they'd booked the tickets to see josh's full tour show because do you remember that night it was absolutely it was absolutely no i don't know 
When oh yeah, always, I did. You always yeah. do well in that room. I oh no, I I do, and um, genuinely, that is a bit of material that hasn't worked since. What? It was mad. It was. It was the first time I did it, and it really worked. It didn't just thought. really work. I mean, it was like proper, you know. Well, you lead the applause at that club. So Get out of it. You can't really, uh, you can't Get really out afford of it. it. But um, yeah. So and then I just couldn't get it to work anywhere else. Which which bit specifically? It's just there's this whole bit. I'm gonna try it again. I'm doing your gig again tonight. I'm gonna try and make that bit work again. And what's gonna happen is it's gonna work. And then I'm gonna try it other places. It's not gonna work. Is it the keyboard bit? Yeah, all that stuff. Like That's the amazing. But it's I, still, not. I still did that. tell that to mate. <laughs> maybe I should take you Such around the country and show you how it's not amazing. Because uh, I can tell you, or there's 50 people in Kennington that thought it was good, but there is. Hundreds of people that have looked at me like it's absolute. <laughs> oh, yeah. That really, that really spoke to me though. I, I don't want to ruin the bit, but no, it's... don't. No, I won't, I won't that's not what ruined. Is that what's ruined it? Have you been going around giving it away? I don't think that's the problem, guys. Before Josh comes on, he's going to talk about the following topic. <laughs> I'm so excited. I don't yeah. want to spoil it. No, so that's that's that really. Oh, so your bit. parents can come to the tour and know that they haven't seen any of it because that bit is currently <laughs> not in the tour. You could get my, me, my mum, and my dad to come on to... And they burst into Vindal either. Uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> my parents and I to come on stage before you do that bit and we go, guys, this this bit's really funny and if you don't laugh, you you are wrong. Well, yeah. maybe I'll just play a record... I've got the recording of that night. Maybe I'll, I'll just go, go around and play that recording and go, look, people are laughing. Uh, guys. So who's wrong? Uh, who's wrong on this? These three people. <laughs> or yeah. you thousand. Um... Was being a comedian was it was it always the plan when you were a little no. boy? No, not at all. Go on. Well, why would it be? It'd be, it'd be a mad plan. Wouldn't What's it? when I was a little boy? It I, was your plan? I wrote a letter. Well, this is true. I've told Les Dennis this to his face. When I was a yeah. little boy, I wrote a letter to Les Dennis after Dustin G died. Right, who's Justin G? Dust. I mean, this is the, this is where my. I mean, I'm a bit older than you to be fair, but my anorak levels of comedy, even as a child right, yeah. were there. Les Dennis and Dustin G were a, were a double act in the 80s. Oh, right. I only know Les Dennis from Family Fortunes onwards. Oh, mate. I mean, you've got a rich back catalogue to dive into. Yeah. Uh, and he, he passed away. They were in a, they were, I think they were the Ugly Sisters in Cinderella. Backstage in the dressing room, he, he Dustin died in the dressing room. had a heart attack. And so Les, Les carries on on his own. Dustin, it was, I think it was either the anniversary of Dustin's death or the anniversary of his birth very recently. And so Les was, uh, Sharing his memories of, of Dustin G. Anyway, yeah, when I when I was a boy, that was that was absolutely my dream. So I hand wrote him this letter to say how sorry I was, and I was like, I don't know, five six years old. Yeah, Les sent a signed autograph, uh, signed picture back. Oh, where of that... himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I um, if you do the Tewkesbury Roses Theatre, which uh, which is about three hundred seat theatre in Tewkesbury, mm-hmm. which is what Gloucestershire, somewhere like that. There's a plaque on the dressing room door because it's where Eric Morecambe died. <gasps> yeah, which is quite exciting. I know it that's an exciting. awful thing to say. But it's also a. It's also astonishing he was playing such a small venue in the mid '80s. So he was. I think he was helping a friend or an acquaintance. Oh, out. Was he? And it was almost like it was almost like a Q and A type thing. Ah, there are photos from the night. So it wasn't that him it's and Ernie. Lovely old theatre. Yeah, it wasn't that him and Ernie were like on a break or anything. I think he was just trying to help this guy out. So he'd appeared there as a favour, I think, uh, and was doing a kind of audience Q&A mm. thing. So there were images of the night, Eric and this guy sat on stage just fielding questions, and then he... Yeah. And then he I mean, it's so awful, isn't it? It's weird, isn't it? But would you... Yeah. If I died at your gig, would you put a black up? Would you want me to? I mean... It's an interest. You don't own the pub, so there'd be a lot of red tape you'd have to deal with, wouldn't there? <laughs> but is, um, that, is, it, is, it not, is it not in bad taste? What, to put a plaque up? Yeah. I don't know why that would be in bad taste. Why Is it any more bad taste than a bench? I don't know. Well, no, the bench is like a... I mean, that's oh, but a bench isn't where you died, is it? No, and it's often what the family have... They've paid for that, they've asked for it. But yeah. you want, if you had a heart attack at Always Be Comedy, would you want... I can't imagine anything worse. The thought of... You know when people, they go, oh, he died doing what he loved. Yeah. No interest in that, mate. I'll be honest with you, these aren't the questions that I have. I have no? You don't... <laughs> Question one. No, fair Josh, right. if you... No, no, no. I mean, it's great. Where would you it. want to die? <laughs> Where would you want to die? Oh, just... Um, I, I, I'd prefer not to know, I think. Oh, God, that's even creepier. Wouldn't you? Would you, want, would you, would you not want to... Like, just... not, not as in be told now, like, you're going to die in wherever. I mean, I prefer to die out of nowhere. 
that I don't, I don't need to make my peace with people. I'm fine with that. I don't need all those. I, I'm not good at goodbyes. What about sleep? You know. Yeah, that's, that's fine. A, that's perfect. A, I'll I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Because people say that they want to be surrounded by loved ones. Not interested. That happens to my granddad. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, it's, like the, it's, like, it's like the most disturbing thing I've ever witnessed in my life. I can't be bothered with big gatherings at the best of times, let alone when I'm dying. Bit of time to myself, please. He had every family... He's Oh, my God, my poor granddad, like the nicest man ever. A war hero, I mean, and I mean that literally, surrounded by all his closest family yeah. members as they're all wailing and... Yeah. Screaming. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Lovely. Is that? Oh yeah. I'll take that, please. He d- he died. No, but you're like, oh, we love you. I mean, that was just me. Oh, right. We love you so much. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he died surrounded by family. Was it nice? No, it was harrowing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So no thanks. This is nice. It's on my own. This is genuinely. This is good to talk about death in such a. Uh... I don't think I've ever talked about death on anything ever before. I've never talked. No, me neither. Just prefer to not think about it. And the and us being a very British family, we never talked about that night ever again. Didn't you? No. No. No, absolutely yeah. not. Everyone went home in stony silence. My friend, um, I don't know if I should tell this story. He's, his mum is very, very, very polite woman, right? And so his dad died and um, his girlfriend died at home and all the family around his mm-hmm. girlfriend was there. And they went downstairs and you know, it was half an hour later, and they were just talking about memories of his dad. And then his mum turned to his, my friend's girlfriend and went, I'm sorry, this must be so boring for you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we're just talking all about... <laughs> us, us, us. <laughs> I was so self-obsessed. <laughs> oh, that might be the most British thing I've ever heard. <laughs> this must be so boring. I want to shock you there. This is literally the most interesting thing I've ever witnessed. Oh my oh. god! So, so where, where, when you were a, when you were a kid, what did you want to be then? Um, when I was a kid, I you uh, footballer probably boring, sure. isn't it? Musician, boring. Not boring as in amazing, but just so you know obvious. I I kind of wouldn't trust anyone that didn't want to be. A footballer, a musician, you know. Sure. Really. But uh, what I'm getting at there is, in a way, you've you've sort of fulfilled... You, you've pursued both those oh, things. Oh, I failed... What, I failed in one form of showing off and started another one? No. The, uh... you, I associate you with your love of Blur, for example. Yeah, but I don't think that's being a musician. No, but your, your love of... Your music, yeah, 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 it, but it those passions have continued. The passions have continued. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say they're the two things that I'm most interested in, apart from comedy, would be music and football. So those passions have continued. and um, But I was always very into comedy. And what you don't realise, I think, when you're into comedy as a kid is not actually many people are into comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? I so everyone's into football. Or like half of people are into football. Half of people are into music, probably. And so they're like things people are into. But actually, not that many people are watching all the comedy that's on TV like I was in those days. Yeah, I agree completely. What sort of comedy? But I don't think you realised that at the time. No, absolutely. And even now, if I, if I chat with certain acts on the circuit, a lot of them weren't into comedy before they did stand-up. No, no one knows who Dustin G was, mate. <laughs> if, you knew, if you knew who Dustin G was, please drop me an email. Podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just the wrong age for that. But you yeah. saying Dustin G, and presuming who I know who it is, similar for me saying, you know, whatever... Um, a what's on the end? Show yeah, whatever. I was going to say, what's on the end of the, of the stick, Vic? Something like you know, something yeah, yeah, from yeah, a, exactly. you know, a big night out. Right, that, that yeah. The person will go. Sorry, but yeah, so but it was a really amazing time for comedy, and I think that maybe you know how people say, oh, you know, the best music is always the music when you're a teenager, or the best, you know, the best World Cup is the first World Cup. Sure. Remember. So maybe it's purely that I had, I was around at that point at the right age to hit it, but I actually think it was a really amazing time for comedy in the same way it wasn't an amazing time for football and it probably wasn't really an amazing time for music but um everything on bbc2 and channel channel 4 was sure. brilliant on friday nights like those comedy nights on friday nights were amazing and it felt like everything that came out and it sure it isn't because it's selective memory i'm sure there's loads of rubbish but it felt like everything was good yeah and even like Big mainstream sitcoms like Men Behaving Badly and stuff. They were huge. Huge, and they were brilliant. Right through to, like, family sitcoms like The Vicar of Dibley. Like, one of the great... That was a great family sitcom that, you know... 
it, it felt like there's a full range. So you'd be watching that with your mum on Thursday night, and then on Friday night you'd be watching Shooting Stars and the Fast Show and Father Ted and Fantasy Football League. And there's a vast array of brilliant comedy, it felt like. It felt super exciting as well, didn't it? It did, it's but fantasy- I don't know. I It's impossible for me to know whether that is an era that was exciting or whether I was just the right age, and whether if I was at that age now I'd be saying the same thing. So we remember that era because we're thinking of all those shows, and in our mind it was Awesome Comedy Thursday, Awesome Comedy Friday. So it felt like comedy was was this great comedy was omnipresent, whereas in reality maybe there was actually a, a nine-month wait between Men Behaving Badly and yeah, series. Yeah, and also, of, you know, we were watching Big Break on a Saturday night. It wasn't all good, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in the sense of Jim Davidson yeah. was on TV. So you're not... Jim Davidson was, was, was Mr. BBC. Was Mr. BBC, yeah. People he was forget that he was Big Break and Generation Game at yeah. one point. And Big Break, which is a show about, you know, it's a snooker-based quiz show hosted by Jim Davidson and John Virgo, was probably getting... Would you reckon? Ten times the viewers that Arse Leg gets, and I mean that. It would have been getting more than ten million, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. And we get about 1.2. However, Last Leg has become... The big break of... of the, <laughs> what? the big break of the Snapchat generation. That's what we call it. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to get you to say, uh, Josh, to tell you that you are the new John Virgo. <laughs> Do you think I should wear more funny waistcoats? Is that what you're saying? That was, that was his thing. That was his thing on a Saturday night. Thing. Well, right, we'll do a bit. We'll do a bit on last leg, and they'll be like, you know, it's Friday night. You want to produce us up a bit, maybe you know, add a choir or like, you know, have some dancers come on. The budget a big break. You had like Willie Thorne, and then you had a, a snooker table and some waistcoats, and that was it. And it's Saturday night TV. Look at what. Look at the money that is poured into the X Factor. Look at the production oh of Strictly. Sure. I bet Strictly was on the same time that Big Break was on. And that's probably, do you know what I mean? It's mad. Yeah. The previous iteration with Rosemary Ford probably was, wasn't it? That was that's Generation Game. Rosemary Ford did, a, did Strictly as well. Oh, Strictly. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I oh, that... do you mean Generation Game was on the same time? No, no, no. Sorry. I was the confusion of Rosemary Ford. No, sorry, I've confused you there. <laughs> the confusion over Rosemary Ford. Yeah. Tell you what, I'll tag her when That's this goes That's a um, Sherlock Holmes story, isn't it? The confusion over Rosemary Ford. It's, it's, it's an underrated book. <laughs> yeah, the confusion over... T- yeah, anyway. Uh, but, we, but with Last Leg, that I mean, I've said this to Adam Hills, it, this, it, this has become Channel 4's flagship entertainment show, hasn't it? Well, they've got the Bake Off, so no, but... Um... <laughs> Pre-Bake Off, maybe. Uh, it's become a... Uh, I'd like to think it's become a you know a strong fixture there. We do 30 a year, you know. We've... 30 a year? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. But it's a great time to be doing a topical show. Yeah, for sure. It's a br- I was thinking this the other day. I was watching... Um, there was a brilliant five-part documentary on BBC Two about Margaret Thatcher. I don't know if you saw it. It's quite... It's really brilliantly made. They talk to all the people, you know, they interview everyone you'd want them to yeah anyway and it, i really love watching that old news footage and you're like wow what a, you know what a different time and what a weird you know what an awful time really but like um you, you have all that old news footage and these people talking about it and you're thinking what a kind of iconic time and then i was thinking we're really lucky to do the last leg at this time when we started in 2012 you know George Osborne was booed at the Paralympics. Yep. Like, one of our first episodes, I remember talking about that. Man, does that feel like a tame time now? Sure. And we've lived through Brexit and the coalition and Trump and Theresa May. Going into Boris. Uh, yeah, going into going into Boris Johnson. Yeah. And, um, which promises, <laughs> you know, oh to be just as kind of... Hectic, I suppose, is the kindest word you could say. And I do think in like, what, you know, 20 years time, I'll sit there and I'll look at this time and I'll go, blimey, what an amazing thing to get to do, to do a topical TV show yep. live on a Friday night, 30 weeks a year during this period. And it'll really, I'm really kind of, I only really realised that in the last month or two. Good quite for you. What a lucky experience that is and what an amazing kind of, thing to go through and hopefully continue to that sounds like i'm saying 
And so I quit. But like, <laughs> we had a great run. Yeah, we had a great run. But I don't think Boris is there for satire. I think he's going to do a great job, guys. So I'm off. But no. Um, how 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 lovely. By the way, that's that's a lovely um, conclusion to come to for you personally. For, honestly, from a mental, it's a great thing to come to yes. that conclusion while doing it. Absolutely. Rather than be 80 years old and go, oh god, I wish I'd enjoyed that. I enjoyed that thing more. That amazing yeah, thing exactly. I was involved with. Yeah. So. Um, how did you come to that? Because, because how did I come to that conclusion? Well, what, the reason why I say that is most people never get there, do they? You know, you see lots of documentaries about people who are never actually happy while they're having this amazing time. For you yeah. to actually crack that enigma code, that's yeah. But I'm still pissed off when I'm going in on a Wednesday and I'm like, oh God's sake, week seven. You know, you know. Some so you're not walking on air the whole time, but it's just a way of. I don't think anyone is like you know. But it's a way, anyone who's going into work, even if you love your job, sometimes like... Yeah, we all have the odd day. Really, Jeremy Hunt again, or whatever. Sure. But um, I think it's just a way of... I I don't know how you come to that conclusion. You just appreciate that, you know, everything is finite and to enjoy it. Um, Do you ever get... You're a, you're a busy chap, which is... Unless it's if I got news for you, in which case you're going for 35 years. Sorry, carry on. Would you do would, do? would you see yourself doing it indefinitely then? Um, I yeah I I I don't see why I wouldn't. If you know what I mean, I I have no plans to not do it. But it's like that. Um, have you seen the Simpsons 130 episode, eight yes. episode spectacular? Yeah. At the end, he says, um, "Who knows what adventures the Simpsons will have between now and when they become unprofitable?" And that's kind of. It isn't it? When we become unprofitable, the decision will be made for us, I'm sure. And I think you'd like to think that if we were doing it and it wasn't what it was and the shine had gone and we were, you know, and we were like, bloody hell, year 42, maybe we, or whatever. But if we were doing it and it wasn't what it was, you'd like to think that we'd all realise that. You'd have the self-awareness to go. We'll have a self-awareness to go, let's say we'll quit and we'll come back in four years and we'll have... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll be able to do it as a reunion. People remember us as being, uh, not saying that this is with the last leg, but some shows go away and then we all remember it as being better than it actually was. Oh, and then it, yeah, and then, exactly. And then, the comeback happens and then you and watch like, it on YouTube and you're yeah. like, oh, 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 it wasn't. I've revisited a few old shows on YouTube. Yeah, it's great, like, isn't it? Oh, that's not, <laughs> that is not the show I remember. No, of course. It's a very different time. How did you, uh, may, may I ask, because th- there was a lot of expectation on you. You won that award at Edinburgh, the the million pound first person to win a million pounds award Do you no, that was so it wasn't winning an award. you know what i mean no no no, named... no 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 i'm not being snide i i'm what i mean is like it wasn't like um didn't feel like a victory uh, it felt like um it was i think it was like a it was set up as an alternative to it's just a headline thing right an alternative to the what is i don't know what it's called now but what was called the perrier uh and it was just like name someone that they think is going to be big and they'd say the act most like to make a million pounds. Uh, and that was the year I did my first show. But I just literally think it's like a headline thing, isn't it? I don't, I, I've, uh, have I misread that? Was it, was it like a diss then? Cause I'd read it. No, I don't think it's a diss at all. I was going to say, I, I, I'd read it as, Oh wow. Great. You know, I, I, it's set up by, I don't know who it was set up by. I thought it was set up by Michael Hardy, but it can't be because he's dead. But it was someone. I think it's someone. It's affiliated with that realm, right, yeah. isn't it? I thought. I don't know. It's a. Um, it's not like this person. I don't know what it is really. I think it was just like a headline thing. It's not like an actual award. I haven't got it on my mantelpiece. Right. Okay. It's not next to my pointless celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been it's been a wonderful. It has been a wonderful few mm, years, though. I mean, it's been amazing. I think I first met you. I think it was pre last leg, maybe. Yeah. When would it have been? I don't know. You I, know what? I think you previewed that first ever show. Did I? I think so. ABC. What, in Kennington? I think so. Oh, that would have been... God, I don't really remember that. I remember really starting to gig for you when you had a gig in south-west London, Putney, maybe, Putney. on a Sunday night. Yeah. Oh, it's just too far from where I live. Maybe it's too far from where I live. <laughs> it's not London, mate. That's why we stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, 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 must be, um, that must be a lovely thing, though, for, for the, way, the way everything has progressed since you got into comedy. Yeah, couldn't have asked for more, really. It's amazing. Um, and it's been, you know, those first two years, I'm sure you're aware, are really quite tough when you start comedy. And um, 
the first two and a half years, you know, is a grind and it's difficult. And it's that weird thing of you're the worst you'll ever be at it. Hopefully you're the worst you'll ever be at it. <laughs> and, um, you're doing the toughest gigs you'll ever do and you're not being paid. So everything's like a negative really. Like it's, it's weird that the gigs get easier as you get, you get better, but also the gigs you do get easier because yeah. they're better gigs you're booked for, but also people start to know who you are. So you go on and people have got confidence in you and people know you're shtick. And so it's, um, yeah, it's, that was tough those first two years. I'm sure a lot of people felt like that, but once you get through that, it's quite a fun gig, isn't it? I think most people, most people outside of comedy don't realize that you do that, that you do no. the open mic circuit. Well, most, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, I used to play, I used to play five side football on a Monday mm. and I would, and I just got into comedy and so I was doing my first few gigs and we went for a drink afterwards and one of the other lads said, oh, we know how much you get paid. And I went, paid? I was like, no, 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 you, I said, you do it for free for the first few yeah. years. And everyone around that table, you know, nearly spitting the pints out. Well, they, I remember my dad saying, well, why don't you just say I'm not going to do the gig unless I get paid? I'm like, well, because imagine being that guy. It'd be absurd. It's such a short-term view to go, I'm not going to do that unless I get paid. Because then you're suddenly the guy that is, you know. That's yeah, name his, for yourself, don't you? It is what it, well, it's absurd as well, because you're not worth... The fact is, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, you can argue... There's lots of luck involved, but comedy at the, I'd say from open mic level up to club is certainly very meritocratic, I think. Absolutely. There's, I don't believe that there's any, because if you're really good, people will want to book you. And uh, this might be wrong, but I, I, I believe in the sense that I don't believe that there's anyone as good as Michael McIntyre who just, can't kind of earn Just a can't living. Can't catch the breaks. Can't catch the breaks because maybe someone who hasn't been going long enough, and then it'll build up. But I think you know it's fair in that sense, and I think maybe in other industries that's certainly not the case. I think we're very lucky in that sense. So you could easily be a brilliant actor who just hasn't got the right job. I, I couldn't agree more. And that must that would drive me bananas yeah. to know that you're always one audition away from changing your life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you could be a musician, a brilliant musician, and you you just, you know, it doesn't get promoted right, whatever. You know, it's it's all over the shop, the music industry. It's totally, you know, it's... it's if you're telling me that the three headliners of Glastonbury this year are the, the best three acts currently performing, then, you know... There's a Malcolm Gladwell book. I think. Oh crikey! I think it's no disrespect to Stormzy. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's Blink, the Malcolm Gladwell book. Yeah, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. of. There's a musical act who every huge person in the music industry, even you two, one of the people, all these musical acts, producers, experts have, t- have tipped this one American guy to be the next big thing. Everyone says he's got every. He's got everything on paper. Nothing can stop him. And then, but then for whatever reason. Yeah. It never happened. And the other thing with music is, I, you know, music's a very splintered industry, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, I think comedy, obviously, it's not the case that, you know, critical acclaim and commercial success go hand in hand. And some people have more critical acclaim than commercial sex, sex, success and vice versa. But I don't think... Um, I think in music, you know, you could... Some of my favourite bands, I imagine earn so little money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know enough about the industry, but it feels like it's, um, if you, if you were to go into the music industry, you might get lucky. It might be brilliant, but you might not. And that would be quite difficult to deal with. I think a friend of mine is a music journalist. He's Mm. told me about bands. Even I've heard of where members of the band are juggling it with, Mm. Day job, day job stuff, and also it's like sliding doors moments, you know. Yeah, like Blur very nearly got dropped uh, before sure. their second album, and if that had happened, would Damon Albarn, who's clearly, you know, from what's happened, an outrageously gifted songwriter across a series of genres, would he have got any of those opportunities, or would it have kind of been over? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm sure, you know, and I'm sure in comedy. What I am sure of is, like, I started, and if I hadn't had a good first gig, 
I don't know if I'd have ever gigged again because you just try your luck. And I'm sure there's people that would have been just as good, just as successful, far more successful, far better than I am, that maybe their first gig didn't go well and they didn't and they thought not to pursue it. So there's lots of things that are going on like that that are, you know, huge strokes of luck. But I think if you get really good at it, you will get, you know, rewards. I think that's what I'm trying to say with the meritocratic thing. When did you realise you were you were good? I don't think you ever... I, that's You know, that sounds disingenuous, but I don't think um, you ever think you're good in the sense of you, you, you can always see the faults in your set uh, as opposed to the... I had quite a tough preview on Tuesday. I'd had a lot of good ones and then I had a tough one. I can't imagine it. You, you, I couldn't, mate. I know, but genuinely, I was talking to Susie about it because we both had Susie Ruffalo supporting me, and I'm sure I'm not speaking out of turn here. We'd been doing warm-ups together, and they'd all been going really well. Yeah. And then we had a sticky one, and I, we were just sat there in the car going, blimey, I'd forgotten. Because I've had time off from stand-up, right? And then I've come back, and it's been tricky on the comeback. But then I got... I was like, oh, I'm good again now. I've got back into it. I feel the rhythm of it coming. I'm happy with this. Then you have a stickier one, and you're like, I've forgotten what this feels like. This feels like I'm a failure. This feels like I'm a fraud. This feels like, you know, I'm, you know, all your neuroses about it, but all your neuroses, which are the things that make you good. I, I think if you... Absolutely. If you think you're good, then you're not putting the work in because you can. you should be, you know... When you're doing your set, you should be spotting the things that can be improved, not enjoying the bits that are good. Sure. Did you ever have that sliding doors moment? And what I'm getting at there is, and one thing I wanted to talk about was you were a journalist before comedy. Was was there, has there been that moment in your life where you realised that, that that was maybe a moment that changed everything? Yeah, there probably was. Although I probably didn't, quite literally a sliding doors, not quite literally, but it was on a train. So, um... I did the Leicester Mercury New Comedian of the Year, which I won in 2010. But on the way, I was in a, me and Acaster on the train, and we were in a train derailment, right? Our train came off the rails, and um, oh my we like gosh. stuck for four hours. I almost wouldn't have got there to the venue. Uh, and I won that, and then my agent now was in the audience. She was one of the judges. Super flown. Yeah. And so she, who's like done so much for me, has been so brilliant for me, so... She's like totally changed my life, but she was there and then I signed with her and that allowed me to go professional. Now, oh my God, but I don't know, you know, arguably, uh, you know, she might have seen me another time or I might, you know, so it's not, I don't believe it's like that moment changed my life because I went from nowhere to there. It may have happened at another gig. And I, yeah, and I would have, I was still, I was getting better at that point and i was still in the final of that thing and so you know there's every chance that i would have done a gig in front of her a week later so it's not it's not like that but you never know you, know, you never know you might have done but, a gig in front of a different agent and they don't have the same impact that Flo, yeah of course Flo has totally agree totally agree but that you know that is as close as i get to that but that implies that you then become Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Successful, but to be honest, it was then, it's still a slow process of learning and getting better and a million other things that go well that could go badly. If if any listeners of if you're like me and you you have this voracious hunger for every comedian's genuinely autobiography that's ever been written, I've got I've always got one spinning on uh, right. my headphones. Yeah. I've I've done pretty much all of them. But Flo, Flo's you may she's written a book. Has she? Oh God, I wish she had. I would, I I, I'd be the had, first yeah. one to, to read it. You you may have come across Flo's name. She's in Romesh's book. But oh, she is looked, she? Yes, she, she is. I've read that. I'll be honest with you. I was looking for a name check. Oh right, didn't get one. Oh uh, yeah, I am name checked in that. What? Yeah, unbelievable! Oh my god, I'm delighted with that. Um, I'm seeing. I, I, I think I main checked just doing mock the week with him once. It's a it's a very good book, isn't it? Which is factually true. It's a great book. Loved it. You've not you've not written one, have you? No. Would you write an autobiography? Yeah. I don't think that that um. N- nah, not at the moment. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Not really. on the cover no but Flo looks after you Tom Ivo. Susie Romesh Ivo etc et yeah loads she's Ivo like the, she's like this et cetera, et cetera. Sir Alex Ferguson of um, well she's very new I was her first ever client actually um, she'd hate she would absolutely hate um, to be the subject of a podcast she's quite private yes yeah, she would it was very glowing mm. but I think you're absolutely right yeah Sorry. she should have a listen so it's fine she will when I send it to her. <laughs> Flo, 20 minutes in, we, we sing your praises <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Um, so so what, what you did do was, and something that a lot of our listeners will relate to, and I, and I genuinely be inspired by, is that you were pursuing, gosh, I know so many people in my life who have got themselves into a career and they talk a great game about changing the career, but gosh darn it, you, you had the wherewithal to, you were you were a sports journalist. You were at the Guardian, so you're one of the biggest. That's but yeah, I I think sports journalist is um a quite a large catch-all term. It would be, describing me as a sports journalist would be like describing a kitchen porter as a chef. Really? Yeah, I was very low down, so I was you know I was uploading the articles to the website. And doing the odd minute-by-minute report. There'll be some sports journalists listening to this going, I'd love that gig. Yeah, it'd be great. It was a great gig. It was a great gig, but I was bad. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a sports journalist in that sense. I was a sports journalist in the sense I did two shifts a week at The Guardian. So I wasn't a full-time sports journalist. I wonder if we ever overlapped there, you know. I've asked you this before, I think. Because I, I, I freelanced on the sub- on the sports desk for quite a while for a few months were you in king's cross or were you in um farringdon farringdon no we were right um but um so i to give you an idea how bad i was yeah. at my job so um one there was you might be your knowledge is almost you know encyclopedia you might know when this was there was a weekend a saturday when both liverpool and chelsea went out of the fa cup in to lower league teams sure so well, around about 2008. Right. And um, I was in charge of the front page of the website, the football website. And I managed to get both scores the wrong way around. Right. So that Liverpool and Chelsea went through. My buttocks are clenching for you. So that is the level <laughs> of sports journalist that I was, right? So that <laughs> that was the kind of par for the court. I can't, I'm awful attention to detail. I'm not very good at spellings. I kind of blagged in and then stayed long enough that kind of kept getting shifts because I was quite, you know, pleasant. But I was no Barney Roney, let's put it that way. And I still don't really know what I'm talking about with football or anything. So what what made you what made you think this this isn't what I want to continue doing? I would actually like I don't think I was ever I just wanted to be a writer in some nebulous sense. So there was there was never a plan whatsoever then. 
these no, things just happened. No, no, I'm sorry if that's no. This uh, is no. I'll see what yeah. this is. This is. I wanted to be. I wanted to make a living from writing, and in that, that you know, whether it be as a sitcom writer or as a as a writer of as a journalist or so, I couldn't quite kind of put my finger on it or yeah, rest yeah, yeah. on it. And I think stand up was another way of trying to work out whether that was a way of doing it. The reason why this is this is so fascinating to me is because of, this is going to sound like a, a criticism and it's not a criticism, but the reason why this is so fascinating is because a lot of these episodes and a lot of people I've interviewed in my life, there's been this thing where, yes, it, I knew it was my destiny was to be, yeah, no. but I interviewed Chris Hemsworth before Avengers Endgame came yeah. out and he always knew he was, I mean, it was so, he spoke with such passion and not in a, this was not in a bragging way. When he was at school, he, he said, I always knew that I was going to be a movie star. But, and the careers advisor said, what are you going to be? And he said, I'm going to be a movie star. And the careers advisor goes, what's your backup? And I, and I said, you know, I don't need a backup. And it all, it all happened. Do you know my issue with that, right? Yes. Is that's such an easy, of course, that feels like your destiny once you are a movie star. But do you know how many people feel their destiny is to be a movie star? Do you know how many people feel their destiny is to be a footballer? Do you know how many people feel their destiny is for their band to sell out Madison Square Garden? Sure. A, th- a million people feel that way. And so while your experience of it is correct, I don't believe that that feeling is worth anything. Sure, okay. Because have you read... You, I'm sure you've read Fever Pitch, right? Yeah. So there's a great chapter... Oh, I mean, it's a... Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. right, about Gus Caesar, Caesar, which I think is the best piece of writing about the kind of dreams and destiny that there I've ever read, which is about a footballer who played for Arsenal and he got... He was the best youth player. He got in the England under-21s. He got in the team. No one gets in the team from the youth team. You know, the, the percentage chance of that happening. He plots his he, rise, doesn't he, from yeah, being a child. He plays well. He yeah. plays well. And then it all kind of goes wrong. He's just not quite good enough. And in this chapter, Nick Hornby talks about how, you know, when you are an aspiring, you know, he says, obviously, the arts is different from sports because in sport it's total meritocracy it's like like there's no sure. person running a sub nine seconds that hasn't been spotted yes sorry i didn't like your style yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's not for me but um you know that feeling that you're going to make it i just don't believe um and he talks about how you know you trust that feeling i think he says you trust that feeling with your life but in the end that that proves it doesn't mean anything because lots of people feel it's their destiny to do something. I might, you know, there's loads of things that I'd dream of doing. I'm sure at points I felt it was my destiny to be a footballer. I couldn't get in the school team, but I'm sure at points I felt it was my destiny to be a musician. I was a very poor guitarist, but do you know what I mean? I do. But that's but I but I'm inspired to listen to that genuinely. So the fact that oh, I know we're mates, so it's different. But the fact yeah. that you, the fact that you're the antithesis of of that school of thought, and that the fact that life has in a way happened to you rather than you, you know, yeah. having this wish list when you were seven years old or anything. But the fact that you've managed to become, whether you like it or not, one of the the greatest, most beloved, best people at comedy in the country, but by having this mindset, I think is is wonderful. Yeah, I suppose I'm just negative. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I, I don't know. Yeah, he, there's a, mate. There's a book in this, you know. I don't think there is. But uh, Ma- well, Mark Manson is. Re- I mean, he, he's a lovely he's Mark Manson. Mark, Ma- I mean, mate. He looked at my Audible collection. You, you'd be like, you all right, James? Uh, Mark Manson is a he's a fantastic writer, a huge best-selling author. Because again, it sounds like I'm about to be cri- critically, and I'm not. I think he's he's wonderful. But he wrote a book called. Uh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and then his follow-up book is Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. And the way you talk there is is sort is similar to how he, how he talks. He, the reason why these have been so popular, I think, is because it's the antithesis to this self-help. Um... I, I'm, yeah, I find whenever you, you know, you see people on social media and they're like, you know, I've got a dream and I'm going to achieve this dream and you know, fair play, but that, that's not, a, it doesn't really speak to me. And also it implies that, um, that this dream is what you need 
to make you complete as a human being. Sure. And that's a very dangerous way to live because there'll always be something that you want. You know, life is about you want, you. there's always something, there's the next thing that you want. And if you don't enjoy where you are at the moment, then what is the, you know, that's just... I could not agree more. You have to enjoy the the here and now. You know, so when you're playing with your, your kids or whether, you know, whether you're doing that gig or whether you write that material... It's vital that you, if you don't enjoy the process. What's the point? It's not about. It's you, not about going. I have to be here. I've envisaged. I've done a Noel Edmonds style thing where I've written what I want on my hand or whatever it was. It yeah, sure. Cosmic, Cosmic ordering. ordering, and you know, I want deal or no deal or whatever. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think you know you've got to just roll with the punches a bit more. In those cases, absolutely, you've got to enjoy it now. In my, in, in our mutual opinion, it, it turns out because if you if you have this end goal, then what you know, let's say your end goal is to sell out uh, Madison Square Garden, as you say. Yeah, you're what if you the same person. if you then achieve that, you you, you might be fucked. Steve yeah. McQueen's Steve McQueen. So my go to example is Steve McQueen. I used to be obsessed with McQueen as a as a kid. Yeah. So I've read these books about McQueen. His uh, his mission was to be bigger than Paul Newman. So when right. he was when he was coming up, when he was a young actor, he, his first wife talks about this. He, he he was so determined to be bigger than Paul Newman. And then they made the Towering Inferno. He gets he does get top billing over Newman. His name appears lower than Newman's, but McQueen's appears on the left. So it was felt that he'd finally achieved this life dream. Yeah. He then he then quit acting because he was like, I don't I don't know what to do now. So he, so he gave it up, and he, he had a comeback a few years later. Yeah. It was never the same. But in many ways, if you do, if you do set that lofty goal, you've got to be careful, haven't you? I just don't. Yeah, I don't. If you don't achieve it, you're upset. And if you do achieve it, you're, you're then you're like shrugging it's your shoulders. It's all so random, you know. Everything's so random. So, what what goal was I aiming for? To do a disability themed topical show on Channel Four? On a, that's not a goal. Well, it is a goal, but it would be a very weird goal to have had ten years ago. So specific. It would have been so specific. But I just think you know. Um, you just work really hard and then see what and enjoy the work you do and be proud of the work you do and that's all you can do and the goals of notional you know commercial critical success are really in the hands of other people rather than in you if you because you talked there about uh enjoying things now is mindfulness is that is that a thing that you practice no not really i did some when i've been stressed i've done that mind mind space app Sure, uh, uh, which is just a good way of chilling out uh, when is you're doing Ed, a lot of Headspace, work. yeah, that app, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Andy Puddicum, you what? Andy Puddicum, is that his name? I think so. Andy Puddicum. He doesn't <laughs> say that on the app because he knows he's got a silly name, right? Isn't your name Andy? Puddicum? No, no, no. <laughs> it's just Andy. The, the, the app is just, called... <laughs> just call me Andy. And the app is Headspace. What's the surname? Doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Chill out. We're mate. friends. Call me Come Andy. Come on. Bob. Trying to chill out here. Bob down with surnames. <laughs> Where's my app? Oh. <laughs> That's why he needed mindfulness, because he's been bullied about his name, Andy Puddicombe, all his life. He can't be called Andy Puddicombe, <laughs> can he? He is. Well, I've lost all respect for him. I'm absolutely never listening to him again. I, mean, I haven't listened to it in years, but never listening to him again. But you've you 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 are a, but you've got your you've got your shit together, haven't you? You know, you've got, you always strike me such a level headed. Oh, I don't know, no one's that level headed, but yeah, to an extent. You, you know, I don't know what what um. It's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. Um, may I, now may I ask you um about the tour? So I, I am biased because you are my friend, but um, you are you are unquestionably one of the one of the finest comedians. What I would say about Josh, and I think I've written this in the upcoming issue of Balance, which will be out by the time this episode is out, is that you're you're wonderful on all those TV shows. But if you've never seen Josh live, but you've enjoyed him on the TV shows, you're sort of missing out. You know, like the you know the the, the Beatles would have looked great. I'm totally missing out. I'm but missing you... out if people don't see me live. I'll tell you that before. <laughs> so what, what I'm getting at is, I I urge you, uh, uh, listeners, to 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 see Josh live. He's just just so wonderfully funny. Like you know, stomach achingly. Uh, funny. It's just it's just so wonderful to see a comedian who who loves being hysterically funny. Um, can you? I know we can't spoil bits, but what I, what, what can you tell us about the the upcoming tour? Uh, I'd say it's 
I've had a child, and ever, ever since then, everyone just says, oh, you can do loads of stuff about your child. I'm just not, really. And sure. it's basically that. Yeah. It's basically trying not to... Uh, I, I, I think if you don't have a child, you don't want to hear someone talk about their child. Yeah. And if you do have a child, you've got a babysitter, and the last thing you want to hear is someone talk about their child when you've got a night off from your child. So I'm trying to do, go as long as possible through the show without talking about my child, which is... I've probably got seven or eight minutes of the 80 on it, which I'd say is a good ratio. Am I allowed to mention one of the themes? I don't know what the themes are listed in the press release as. Uh, There's no themes. Okay, may I I talk about the the, the weddings bit? Oh, yeah, there's a long bit on weddings, yeah. That's actually longer now than when... Josh, it's one of the... That is one of the funniest bits I've seen for years. the, The highest compliment I can pay a bit is when I can perform... Virtually all of it to my to my wife. You know what I mean. Legally, shouldn't be doing that. But um, I mean, she shouldn't have been live streaming it. <laughs> um, I yeah, I really like that bit because it's like um, it's really long now, and I like the idea of doing a long oh, bit about beautiful. something that everyone's experienced. I like doing the thought that you can do a bit that everyone will think about when they experience that the next time they do it. If you know what I mean, I do. Like, and I, that's always my favourite bits of stand-up, the bits that you always think about in your day-to-day life when it then yeah. occurs. Sure. So um, you can't really go, oh, I need to write that bit, but hopefully your best bits will be like people will go, oh yeah, that's like, you know, it's it's the man draw thing with McIntyre, isn't it? Well, I was going to say with the wedding bit, what what I've seen in the room is, and this is a, if you're an observational comedian, this is. Again, the highest. Uh, say, oh mate, if you're ever down in the dumps, just drop me a line and I'll uh, <laughs> bring you bring you right back up. What is wonderful uh, as an observation comedian is when you have people in the room elbowing their partner or friends, yeah. going, "Oh god, that's so true," you know. Well, that's why I have the lights down because I can't. I don't want to be able to see people not doing that. <laughs> you don't want to have to worry about that. But yeah, I know. I you can only speak as an audience member and think that is a thing that I enjoy watching other acts do. I think you were recording the audio of one of your sets. Yeah, you were. And I didn't realize your phone was next to me and the audio would have been 20 or 30 minutes of me just going, I bet this away from the microphone. Oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> like that. So it's your, you know, it's, it's your, it is your club though. So you're really trying to get the audience going. You're like a hype man. No, I just, I just, no, I, I just enjoy, I enjoy Thank it. You. Um, Thank you. May I ask, cause it, what I've seen you do in previous shows is you've you've literally been able to take an ob- an everyday object. I'm holding a pen, and you've written stand up about the every- everyday object. And it's almost like I'm not saying that you, this was the intention, but what was wonderful it was it was a performer or a, a creative mind saying this is what I'm capable of. I can take anything and make it funny. Where does this is this is a grandiose question? Where, where does creativity come from? How do you, how do you make that happen? Um, not in that sense that you'd, um, you have to have something funny on it already. I've tried to write stuff on topics that I thought would be good, but I haven't got anything funny on and I can't do that. If I don't originally have something funny, then you can write out from it. You can go, I've got stuff on, uh, weddings. So I'll, um, write more on weddings cause it'll attach to that bit and it'll all feel funny together. But um, I've tried, for instance, to write stuff about having asthma, and I haven't got anything funny on it to start, so you're staring at a blank page. Sure. So you need an idea, and then once an idea is working, it's much easier to work further on that than try and come up with something nebulous from nowhere. That's great advice. Yeah, I also think um, I think that's why people do those... Um... No, maybe that doesn't make sense. No, go for it. No, because it's actually... It, it contradicts my point. I was going to say... you do things where you're tasked where you have to write on a topic. But actually, that's what I'm saying I can't do. Is I, can't, I struggle to, you know, it's the blank page thing, isn't it? But once you've got something, it's much easier to add to it. So say if you had a bit on, I'm looking at a light bulb, you had a bit on light bulbs. Mm-hmm. How do you, is it literally, do you, do you have to lock yourself away in a room and make yourself write? Or is it, no. or is it just as things come to you and you sat on a train? Oh, no, I'd sit and write. I'd say I'm going to write now. Really? I'd go to a cafe or something. Listen to music. Yeah, right. yeah, because it's a job, isn't it? It'd be absurd not to write, not to spend time writing, because your job is to write stand-up. I've heard of some people doing it when they're you know out on a walk and they've, 
and they get a yeah. Well, a I, mean, I, I, that doesn't really work for me. But I think having listened to enough podcasts where comedians talk about their process, for yeah. want of a better word, um, I think the biggest lesson is that you can only do what works for you. There's no right way to do it. People write in really different ways. And um, some people write really well late at night. Some people write really well uh, the half hour before the gig. They need the pressure of it. Yeah, sure. I work best when I don't feel like I'm under pressure from a gig that night, but I feel like, oh, I'll just go away and potter on this. Maybe. Um, so it's, there's really... To different strokes for different folks on that front. Um, how can pe- how can people book tickets for the tour then? Uh, on my website, joshwhitcomb.co.uk or .com. Google it. I'm sure if you googled the words Josh Whitcomb tour, um, the ticket links will come up. But I wouldn't know because I, I don't have to buy tickets, mate. I'm there. I'm, I'm getting them free every night. <laughs> I'm sure my website, or I think the link would be, as I would say in my Twitter bio. Oh, that was nicely done. Yeah. Um, now I know there's there's obviously the tour coming up. It starts in sep- September. October. October. Do you, uh, need any more previews? Um, maybe in August. We'll see. I'm going nowhere in August. You going nowhere? Yeah, I'm going nowhere as well. Um, so yeah, maybe in August. Um, well, well mate, mate, just to wrap up, what was what I was getting at? I didn't mean. I, f- I now I feel uh, unclean for asking about the preview. Um, what I was getting I at is I can chip that out. I mean, I'll, I'll 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 keep it in. What <laughs> <laughs> what what do you what what? No, I, no, I sort of know the answer to this, but our listeners may not. What what else do you have coming up? Uh, we're doing last leg uh, still, and we're doing a second series of hypothetical, which we're filming in August, and which I don't know when that'll be out. New Year maybe. Mm-hmm. And we're doing. Is that it really at the moment for me? I've got other things that are possibly happening but nothing those are the three things i'm going away on tour i'm doing the last leg and i'm doing hypothetical and if a publisher is listening and thinks that this would make a i, I don't want to write a book about uh f- fluking your way into an industry i don't i don't think anyone wants to read that <laughs> well i would <laughs> um, josh I, I can't thank you enough that, um, thank you for having me it's an absolute pleasure i always i always love uh as you know, I always love talking to you. So, yeah, it's a joy. It was thank, fun. Thanks ever so much, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Josh. That was great. Thanks thank so much. It was no, fun. Thank you. Hope that was- and that was Josh Whittacombe. As I say, get get a ticket to see him live. One of the very best. Uh, as ever, please drop me a line. It's, it's so sad that I do this bit, isn't it, every week? Please, just please send me an email. Uh, podcast at balance.media. Sales? Oh, yes. You'll notice me recording... Uh, an advert, me, myself, yes. If you want to cut that sweet action, um, companies, businesses, whoever, uh, sales at uh, at balance.media. It's bad when you fluff your own email address. Jesus, what? Sales at balance.media. Please leave us a five-star review uh, and, a, you know, all that positive, positive write-up, algorithms, all that. It all helps. Uh, have a great week. Hope you enjoyed Josh. He's the best. Uh, I've been James Gill. Uh, good night and God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com